It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today I'm so excited to have with me Sean Tassone, MD, PhD. He's a double-boarded physician uh, in obstetrics and gynecology and integrative medicine. He's a practicing OBGYN, author, speaker, and patient advocate. He's an author and publisher of books written exclusively on topics of spirituality and medical care, and he's an advocate for whole foods to heal the human body. His books are titled Spiritual Pregnancy, Develop, Nurture, and Embrace the Journey to Motherhood, and Hands Off My Belly, The Pregnant Woman's Guide to Surviving Myths, Mothers, and Moods. He's a faculty member at the University of Arizona and University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center, teaching residents and medical students. He's an instructor in integrative medicine at Arizona State University. Welcome. Thank you for being here. It's really amazing to, to have you and to get your perspective on, on how all of this impacts our sex lives. Well, thanks. I mean, usually I'm talking to women because I'm a gynecologist. So really kind of a great opportunity to uh, actually speak to some guys for a change. Yeah, and I'm really grateful that you're taking the time to do this because it's important for men to be educated on this as well. Uh, I mean, this impacts them so much and their education, men being informed, is going to help them have better relationships with women that are going through all these things that we go through. You know, being in a human body, we've got a, a lot going on in there. And so I'm grateful that you're, you're taking the time to, to talk to guys about this. Uh, so where would you like to start? I think it would be kind of fun. I, you know, I get guys coming in with their uh, partners a lot. And the number one reason for men coming to the office with their partner is that the woman has a decreased libido. I think libido, and obviously I'm sure you talk about this a lot in relationships, 
uh, libido is definitely a two-way street, but I think that in our society, we tend to label women as the ones having the problem because men now have the blue pill and, you know, men wake up with an erection and you can have sex. But for a woman, the process isn't that easy. And so I kind of like to talk about some of the some of the myths about, you know, hormones and sex drive and things like that. Absolutely. So what do you, what do you see as the, the top myth around, you know, women and their sex drive and, and why are women not getting turned on? So primarily it's really interesting. It's a double-edged sword. So the number one hormonal imbalance in women across the spectrum from twenties to 60s is actually testosterone deficiency. The myth though is that testosterone deficiency is the end all be all for sex drive. I think most guys feel like if their partner doesn't want to have sex with them, it must be that her testosterone is low. And, and I think a lot of women believe that too. So I'll have patients come in and they say they have decreased libido, they, they must need testosterone. And, I can make a woman's testosterone the, the level of a man's testosterone. You can do that with hormones. And it might make her want to rip your face off, but it's not necessarily going to make her want to have sex with you. So that's the difference. And I think that, you know, and I'm sure you address this a lot, but it's not the hormones. So what, what testosterone does for a woman is it gives her more energy. So I've often said if there was a T-shirt that described testosterone deficiency for a woman, it would just say, meh, like, I, I don't care, you know, sex, no sex, uh, uh, jog, no jog, we can go out to eat, or it, she just doesn't care. That drive, that desire, that aggression is just gone. So if I give her that back, if I put her up to a more normal level, she may not be sexually inclined, but she might have more energy to want to do it, because as you can attest, Sex for a woman is not just about, you know, what's the first stage is arousal, right? So you can't, if you can't get her aroused as the man, I don't care what her testosterone is, you're not going to have any sex. Yeah, it's interesting. I was recently speaking with one man in particular that was talking about how his partner, uh, she has so much, like she's, um, she's in her, I think he said, late late 50s but she's a, a physical trainer like she trains people he said he, she's super athletic she's super hot really fit you know but she has no interest in having sex and so you know it sounds to me like she probably has plenty of testosterone but she still doesn't have the desire for sex yeah and i will say as a i am not a relationship expert being divorced myself but something that i have learned now after being married for 20 years and in a marriage where we didn't actually have sex for two years. And what happens after a while is that if you don't talk about it, it becomes awkward. And then it's, it, the longer that it goes, it becomes more awkward. But what I have found is that being single now at 50, you know, two, it's really, for a man, it's different. So for a man, yeah, testosterone does actually help with sex drive and, and helps with things like erections and, and whatnot. But for a woman to be interested in having sex with you, I think there has to be that nurturing, that caring, that she doesn't, you know, contrary to popular uh, belief or misbelief that, 
you know, one night stands are, are not the norm and they're really not very fun anyways. You know, they can be, but for, for most women, they want to know that you're going to be there uh, if you're not in a relationship. But if you're in a relationship, instead of coming up to your wife or your partner in the afternoon and kissing her in the kitchen and grabbing her butt, do the dishes, you know, go tell her to sit down and take a load off and, and get her something to drink and tell her to just relax or go take a bath and take care of her as a human. That might give her more reason to want to have, I always say the number one rule is uh, they don't have sex with jerks. And, and I would point my finger at myself because I've learned this over time is that if you're a jerk, it doesn't matter what her testosterone is. So I think it's just about the relationship, really. And does she feel taken care of and safe? And, and that, you know, it's kind of a, it's not that you should use sex as a reward, but it is a reward. I think if she's going to have sex with you, and I've often wondered this, maybe you can comment on this, because as a man, we probably don't think about this, but it's a pretty big deal for a woman to allow somebody inside of her body, right? I mean, that's a pretty intimate thing to allow that. And men, I don't think we think like that. I, you know, we just were in our caveman brain. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. It's a big, it's a big ordeal, you know? Yeah, so when women are speaking with you, maybe they're, they're talking with you in confidence without their husband or you know, sex partner there with them. What do they tell you the reasons are that they don't want to have sex anymore? What I find fascinating is a lot of the times they do want to have sex. Women, especially in their 40s, mid-40s to 50s, that's when they're, they're in their prime. They're, they want to have sex. And I've heard stories, you know, like I go to the, um, I go to the gym and these guys are staring at me and they'll talk to me and they tell me, Oh, your hair looks nice today. Or they might notice that I got a haircut or I got a new, you know, a new pair of shorts or something. And it's this acknowledgement that what I have found is that women I call it kind of fine. They, they, they hear this music, it's their song, and it starts to hit around the early 40s and they start to come into their own. But why they don't want to have sex is I think that they feel like they're doing everything. They're, they're, they're working. A lot of women work. Most women work now. They work big time jobs. I mean, imagine a, 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 like a bank president or somebody that runs a business who's in charge all day and is busting ass and breaking heads. And then she's supposed to come home and be this feminine, you know, housewife, uh, which happens a lot. It's hard. There isn't a switch that they can just flip. You as the man have to help them flip that switch. If you want her to be feminine, the complaints that I hear is, is that, okay, then I come home and I'm exhausted and I've got three kids under the age of 15 that I'm the one to take care of because he's sitting out watching TV. And, you know, I think the expectation, there's still a lot of, a lot of patriarchy out there. And, um, I, and especially in Texas, uh, maybe not in Austin as much, but definitely a lot of patriarchy. And so I think the complaints are that they just don't feel like they're acknowledged and and why would they if you're not acknowledging her and 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 this beautiful because I, I it's funny too as a single man if i go out with a friend or something 
you know, you see his wife differently because you're not with her 24 seven. So, and I've told, I tell women this too. It's just like, you know, a guy walking down the street is going to see you and go, wow, that's a really attractive woman. But the guy standing next to her isn't seeing that because maybe he's, you know, used to that. And I think you need to just try to reframe it so that you do see her for what she is. You know, I often say like, I tell women all the time, I'm like, what would he do if you gave him $100 or $50 and you said, go buy me something? Would he be excited by that? Would he, would he, would he not know what to do? And I think that says a lot about the relationship too. You know, it's like, like does he want to see you in different clothes or does he want to, you know, that I, there's a lot to the, that I think can be said there, but none of that has anything to do with hormones. It has to do with the guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So when do you see that it is hormones that are impacting it? Does that ever come up? I think for a lot of women, yes, but it's, it's an indirect relationship. So the other thing is on the doctor's end, there's a lot of doctors that will see women for this and they'll say, oh, your hormones are normal. They don't feel normal, but they're told their hormones are normal. When the reality is their testosterone's in like the 10th percentile of normal and their thyroid is in the 20th percentile of normal. Two hormones that are responsible for energy and, and just your drive. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've taken a woman from the 10th percentile to the 70th percentile, still in that normal range, but she feels so much better that she's not just exhausted at five in the afternoon. So, and that's, you know, most people have sex in the evening. So if she's already tired when she gets home at five o'clock, it's probably not going to happen. But if we can shift the energy a little bit so that she's not exhausted and she actually feels good in the afternoon, then that's, but I will tell you, and I'm, I'm not kidding, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, testosterone deficiency is far and away the most common hormone imbalance across the age spectrum, every age group. Wow, fascinating. I'm like sitting here listening to you and I'm like, I need to go get my testosterone levels checked. <laughs> I, would be, I would be afraid to see you with higher testosterone levels. No, I'm just kidding. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> touche. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, what'd be funny is you, you, maybe you would have a low normal testosterone, but it, your mindset is just, I think, different. But but maybe, you know, you still could have low testosterone, but that's the thing is some women, like if let's say you were in the 20th percentile and somebody else was in the 20th percentile, but that was also very obese, had a poor body image, wasn't happy with herself, that's going to affect her, you know, sexuality as well. So there's a lot that goes into that. I don't think, I don't think from what I've seen, I don't think you probably have those problems. Okay, probably not. <laughs> But well, everything you're saying is so true. And this is for men and women. Our brains are our biggest sex organs, right? Like what that is where our our sexuality comes from, our attraction comes from the brain. Like, yeah, we need testosterone to give us that drive, you know, but but the rest of it is in the brain. And if we have hang-ups about body image, about uh, you know, what's going on in the relationship or, you know, the fight that we had last week or, you know, maybe uh, just being busy at work, then all those things are going to impact us. And so 
really looking at sexuality from a holistic point of view is so incredibly important. And that's a big shift for people because our sexuality has not been looked at in a holistic way in the past. It's been very much relegated to the bedroom, like I'm supposed to get in there, get turned on, have sex, be done, you know, and it's not, it's not a part of the bigger picture. And with what we're seeing in trends of people having less and less sex, of uh, people having more and more sexual dysfunction um, and lack of intimacy in relationships, it's really is time for people to begin to look at their sexuality in a holistic way. Yeah, and I think you, you know, you kind of hit on something too that we haven't really said is that men have this as, you know, this thing that we were very visual and maybe women are the same way, but men being very visual, we want, we have this like idea of what our partner should look like. And maybe she's changed over the last 20 years, right? And we all gain weight or she's had babies, but we also have gained 20 or 30 pounds, but we're not working on ourselves either. So are we physically attractive, you know, uh, to our partners as well? And are we taking care of ourselves and being, you know, sexy? And are we dressing, you know, are we wearing cargo shorts with socks that go up to our knees and, you know, are, and, and, and sandals? Or are we taking care of ourselves too? I mean, so you can't expect your spouse to do stuff like that if you're not doing the same thing. Yeah, it's one of the things that I, I tell men is like, look in the mirror. Are you somebody that you would want to date? Are you someone that you would want to fuck? And if not, then you need to be doing something about it and be really honest with yourself. Are you, would you want to be in a relationship with you? Are you an interesting person? Are you someone that has developed yourself on a personal level? Are you someone that's educated about how to have good sex? Are you someone that's fun to be around that can, you know, be spontaneous and interesting, you know, because that's what we want in a partner. Why, why spend 20 years next to somebody that's just boring? And that's really is the reality of, of so many people that get into relationship and then they stop evolving. And some of it is laziness. Some of it does come down to them being afraid to make changes um, to themselves personally out of fear of impacting the relationship negatively. And unfortunately, what happens then is then the relationship just dies, you know, but the people will be afraid to continue to go out with their friends or keep doing, you know, new, new things that interest them. Maybe they wanted to try kickboxing, but they don't want to do that because she might be upset that, you know, you're gone uh, for this class. And you know, that, that is a two way street. Like she needs to not be upset about it, but you need to take responsibility for continuing to explore and continuing to be an interesting person. Right. I mean, and I think, gosh, I've never done that myself. I don't want to look at myself in the mirror and ask if I'd want to date or fuck myself. <laughs> it's like, oh Lord, that's just going to give me something to think about now. So yeah, that's a, but, but it, it, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's the other thing is, are you challenging her? Are you, see, I, what I hear a lot is that men, I think, and I'll say this as part of the brotherhood, a lot of us get comfortable and we don't, 
necessarily evolve a whole lot. I think women tend to evolve from the time they're 50. They, they, they are a much different human being for the most part. They are more sexual. And I think it's just you have to, as the partner, if, if you're the same old vanilla here, if you're just missionary and, and you know, seven minutes, why on earth, what, what challenge is that for her? You're not, are you making her wonder, why do you think, Fifty Shades of Grey sold so many copies. I mean, because it's it. A lot of women thought that was pretty amazing, the kind of stuff that Christian Grey was doing. But most guys have no freaking clue about it, that stuff. And I mean, I can remember I watched those movies because I wanted to know what all the hubbub was about. The the one where he makes her put the the Benoit balls in or whatever before they go to dinner, um, and then she keeps the. I mean. I was like, wow, that's, that's really, I mean, but just to take, you know, maybe, you know, your typical Midwestern wife might not want to do that, but you can start small. You don't have to jump right in there, but just keep her guessing, you know, just kind of, you know, I think sex therapists, I, I, I have some friends and they talk about that too. It's like, you know, read a, read that book together. Um, you know, do things, uh, you know, do things together that are just different because, it does get vanilla after a while. How can you spice that up? Yeah, you really ought to spice it up. And and also being really just clear about communication. And I also love how Esther Perel talks about we really need mystery in relationship. You know, love wants closeness and desire wants some mystery, wants some space. And, and we do need to be better about giving each other space in a relationship to, to pursue our own interests and to be excited about things so we can come back and share that, you know? And, and that's really one of the things that is, that's impacting current relationships is is a relationship has come to this almost like the holy grail right like it's it's the the god figure in some ways of of like it's the everything right it's we don't have we're, most of us are not living near our family um that we're you know our family of origin mom dad brother sister all over the place. Uh, you know, we may have some friends, but friends come and go. And so the relationship has become our tribe. It's become our sense of security. And when, when you really put that much, you know, if your, your partner needs to be your lover, your best friend, the person you're raising children with, the person that you're talking about your finances with, person that you come home from work and you talk about everything that, you know, went, went on at work. And now so many people are working from home. So you don't even have that space. Like there's no, no possibility for any type of mystery in the relationship to feed the desire. And so I love just encouraging people to have happy, healthy lives outside of the bedroom. And that's going to impact how you show up in the bedroom. Oh, no doubt. Like I said, being married and then not being married and trying to figure out dating, holy cow, um, my heart goes out to every human that's doing that Um, after being in a marriage for a long time because I used to date when there were phones and you actually had to talk to people. And And then trying to be a man in that world where it's, it's, you have you want to be confident okay so guys you want to be confident and you might want to make the first move and 
and have sex with your partner, but how do you do it in a way that is more about her and not about you? You know, um, I often tell couples when they come in, I, I would have them practice what I call the 30 minute rule where he should do whatever he wants to her for 30 minutes, but that there's no penetration anywhere. And, and, and where can he find buttons and spots that maybe he didn't know before that she can, and she has to communicate with him too. Like, you know, Oh yeah, that's, I like that. Or I don't, you know, whatever, because there's so many spots that she can't get to that maybe he can, but it doesn't have to be penetration. And then, she controls it so that she's the one that tells him when he can, you know, have sex. And that just adds a little bit of kind of fantasy there. There's a little control because most women aren't in control of the sexual part. They're on the bottom. It's missionary. He's on top. Um, I also tell them when she does feel like it's, she's ready, have him sit in a chair and be on top face to face because it's very intimate. But she's, again, in control. She controls the momentum and the depth, and he can't move because guys tend to kind of just take over. And, and again, that can take – I mean, I think it's kind of sexy for a woman to be in control, um, you know. And, and by bringing that out of her, you might find a completely different partner at times, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So I know there are a lot of guys that I talk to that they are like, I've tried everything. I want to be a good lover and she just still won't have sex with me and I don't know what to do. And I know women have so much conditioning around their sexuality their sexuality is attacked every single day, even in 2020, like women's sexuality is still under control. It's one of those things where women can be overtly sexual for the pleasure of men, for the entertainment of men, for, for men's enjoyment. But if a woman is overtly sexual for her own pleasure because she enjoys it, because she feels empowered, those women are judged. You, that is not acceptable in society. And so women, and women know this, they know that if they are going to act in a sexual way, then they're not going to be accepted on the level of really being, um, you know, seen as uh, as a wife, as a mother figure, um, as a as a professional. Like women, know you can't you can't do both, and so then they're expected to come home and you know be sexual with their husband or their boyfriend, and once that initial attraction period wears off once the the hormones level out the the dopamine the adrenaline the serotonin of like those first several months of the relationship women are just back in that same boat of like all the the negative conditioning that they've been raised with that's part of society in such a big way yeah and i think that it's um really interesting i mean i we all know about that but i think women are judged by women sometimes more so than than men i see a lot of that for sure in the groups that i'm in a lot of the health and wellness area um, is pretty female dominated now with alternative medicine and that it can be you know even in competitive circles 
uh, you know, you know, obviously that sex sells. So some women will use their, you know, their, the way they dress to get more followers. It just, it works. And there will be other women that judge them for that, for sure. And, and not necessarily openly call them names, but it's, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. As a, as a woman, like even in a relationship that's trying to find that sexuality part, if she feels like she's being a, a whore or something, you know, I, I had this happen when I was in my relationship and I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a sex therapist and she said, well, why don't you buy her some lingerie and that you would like to see her in and, and, and have her wear that. And I said, okay, that sounds like a great idea. So I went and bought an outfit that was probably just a camisole and some underwear or panties. It wasn't like some Fredericks of Hollywood crazy thing with sparkles on it, but and, and when I gave it to her, she said, I'm not a whore. I don't want to wear this. And I was said, well, you can be my whore. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, we are married, but that was just inside of her. And so that wasn't something that I necessarily created. But I think it, one of the things that I had trouble with as a partner was, you know, her hormones were fine. But this was a conditioned thing that came from probably childhood and even through her first marriage and whatnot and what she thought she was supposed to do. So, yeah, that, that all is added in there, too. And, and on the man side, especially in a state like Texas, where we have older kind of values and um, how, you know, more of a Bible Belt kind of area, uh, religion plays a huge role in that as well. And so I'm, I think that's changing a lot. I do see a lot of women that are more open with their sexuality and they care about their sexual health because, as you know, people that are in relationships where they have sex, they live longer. You know, it, it's good for your health. It's better for your health. So why are we afraid of it? I really don't have any idea. Yeah, we're just, and we're happier. You know, life is just better when you're having good sex and you're in a relationship with someone that you love and you're having fulfilling sex there. And you're absolutely right. When I've talked, there are women judge themselves and um, it, is, it is part of the patriarchal system that I'm referring to that, that gives women that type of mentality. It's not necessarily that all men today have that mentality because there's clearly a difference between men and patriarchy. Patriarchy. Women can have, you know, the same uh, patriarchal outlooks that men can. So it's a system that that really does impact all of us. Um, so I'm not not putting the blame on on men, saying that men in relationship are doing this to, to women. So thank you for clarifying that. Because a lot of guys that I work with, they're in this, they're the same. They're like, yeah, I want to, I want her to be my whore, you know, like I want her to fuck my brains out. I want to fuck her brains out. And, you know, but, but women do, they have so much conditioning. There's just, there's so much pain there that, that they, they really carry around their sexuality. Yeah. Vulnerability. It's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable right now. It definitely is. Well, I would love to hear some confessions from a male gynecologist. Uh, well, number one was uh, that uh, she she doesn't want to have she doesn't want to have sex with jerks, and that the other one is, and I, I kind of mentioned this before we started recording, was that women a lot of the time don't have orgasms from sex. You need to, some women do, some have cervical orgasms and there's penetration for sure. But I think 
the one thing men need to learn is the clitoris. They one need to know where it is, and two, they need to know their partner because every woman's different too. Some prefer just really gentle touching, and some prefer a deeper, you know, more of a, a rubbing sensation. So, confession-wise, I think it's really important to find out. You know, does your does your partner masturbate? If she does, what does she like? I think another confession is that there are, and these are what I hear, um, women that are, that are, they're out there and they're getting noticed. Men are looking at them. They're looking at your wife. They're looking at your girlfriend uh, because they're seeing her different than you're seeing her in a lot of the times. And I would challenge men to be aware of their surroundings when they're with their lady, uh, especially when she's dressed up or whatever, and notice the men looking at them. For me personally, I find that super a turn on. Like to know that other guys want the woman that I'm with as a man is super turn on. And I, I love it when she walks around the room and, and can work a crowd, but I know that she's going to come home with me because it's just like, you know, so the confession is let her be that woman. Have, let her be that powerful, independent, sexy woman. Uh, I think all women have that in there. It's just, you know, it's, they don't know how to let it out. But, uh, but yeah, definitely um, be aware of the other men that are looking around. Take a look around and see it. Yeah, and I think that goes both ways too. Like, as as a woman, it's it's attractive to notice that the guy you're with is getting noticed as well. And also, I will say to that, like, when you're with somebody, like, always being um, in integrity with the boundaries of the relationship. Because I'm like, I'm pretty open, and like, a lot of times I'm in open relationships. Um, not always, but you know, sometimes I am, it just depends on the relationship. And, but like one time I was not in an open relationship and I remember that guy, he would, he would like flirt with the waitress or, you know, and it was just very overt right there in front of me. And I was kind of like, fuck you. And yeah, that relationship ended <laughs> because it's one thing to be noticed and to you know to have that attraction going on and it's another to be an asshole about it so don't be an asshole about it <laughs> be a good rule of thumb don't be an asshole <laughs> right uh, and you're absolutely right about learning the clitoris i have literally been with two men that i've had clitoral orgasms with that's it mm -hmm. and like, but when I'm, you know, by myself and I'm masturbating and I don't use a vibrator, so I'm just like using my fingers and I, I can have clitoral orgasms super easy, like within a couple of minutes. So it's not like there's any issue there when it comes to being able to have clitoral orgasms. So it is like men needing to learn this and it's not their fault. They don't have a female body. They don't have a clitoris. So how would they know how to touch it if they're not being educated? And so women need to show them and, you know, men need to also not get an attitude about it when they're shown what a woman wants and like, you know, be excited to, to like, yeah, you know, really, like really show me. Um, but then also do their own 
their own research as well. And, you know, there's some great tutorials on how to pleasure a woman's clitoris. So come up, show up already prepared, but then let her show you how her specific body is going to respond in the easiest way. And, and like I said earlier, be vulnerable. If you don't know how, or you don't feel like you're necessarily good at it, or you're, you know, men, we tend to worry about, well, am I, am I going long enough? Am I taking too long? Am I big enough? Am I, you know, whatever. That really, it's, it's you as the person and how you show up, like you just said, you know. Are you showing up as this caring person that's willing to hold space and learn? You know, if, she, if she's willing to tell you, do this, do this, and you do it, I've had women tell me before that they have a new partner and he's much smaller than her old partner, but he isn't all about just, you know, fucking her as hard as physically possible because, and he takes his time and he goes really slow. And it's, she said, it's like the most mind blowing sex she's ever had, but his, he's a lot smaller physically, um, penis wise. And it's, it's, it's about the person, you know, you, it's, a, it seems like a, an old adage, but it's true. Um, show up and, and be what she needs, you know, not what you think she needs, but what, what she does need. Mm. Do you find that, do women discuss with you what type of orgasm tends to be easiest for them to have? Is it G-spot, cervical, clitoral? Are they, is it just different for every woman? The one I hear about the most, and it's probably just because I talk to women a lot about surgery, a lot of women have cervical orgasms. So when you are having sex, usually if the hips are flexed back, like you've got her feet back that way, the, the pelvis shifts and the penis can hit the cervix a little bit better. And it's not hitting it hard. It's just rubbing up against the cervix and kind of a, a lot of women, even women that didn't know they had that kind of an orgasm, if it ever happens to them once, it's like this mind-blowing experience because the uterus will contract and it tends to be a deeper orgasm. The other thing that I've heard more too is guys, a lot of guys tend to shy away from having sex during the period, like when she's bleeding, but women that have orgasms during their period, it tends to be much more intense because the uterus is so sensitive. Um, and for some women, it's painful and obviously I wouldn't recommend that, but but I've had women say, I never had a partner that would touch me when I was bleeding. And I have a new partner now that did. And she said it was like the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. I don't hear them talk about as much about clitoral and stuff because I think that's, it usually doesn't come into the conversation unless they're having issues with it being more numb. But for sure, I think the cervix and the uterus are definitely not as appreciated during, uh, during sex, whether it's penile or fingers. A lot of men don't ever explore that area. They don't go deep enough, as it were. And when working with women, because uh, I, I, I do private coaching with women, I actually have a, a new women's program coming out, and I used to work only with women before I started working with men. And one of the things that um, I found and that my coach found as well is that even women that have had hysterectomies can still have cervical orgasms um, because the nerve endings are still there. Can you speak to that? So... The cervix, uh, the nerves that come into the cervix, you know, if you remove the uterus and the cervix, 
and you think about the vagina as, as a bad analogy, but as a sock, and at the top you have a row of stitches because it's closed from the hysterectomy, but there used to be a cervix there. The nerves are still coming in from the bladder, from the vaginal walls. It's just that now it's at the top of the vagina versus the cervix coming in. So if you have a woman that had cervical orgasms and you can still move the tip of the vagina, and like I said, you, you, positions can help with that, especially with the hips back because the, the angle is much shorter. That can be very pleasurable. And then some women, and that's why it's helpful to ask too, like the G-spot being kind of on the, the top or the anterior part of the vagina for most women. For, and it also depends on the shape of the penis, you know, which angle does the penis bend. But if that's why doggy style for some women can be like too much because it's too much stimulation on that spot. And for some women, it's like the greatest thing ever. So again, it's so individualized. Um, but yeah, women that have hysterectomies, I think uh, most research shows that they still have just as good of sex. A lot of women will say that it changed, but I think a lot of those women didn't have very good relationships to begin with. And I think the hysterectomy sometimes can get blamed because they don't want to address the actual relationship part. And where do you find, um, what is contributing to women having painful sex? A lot of the times it can be endometriosis, which is uh, just a painful process where there's a lot of inflammation and uterine lining in the pelvis versus just in the uterus. Previous uh, surgeries like C-sections, ovarian procedures can leave scar tissue sometimes. Um, but a lot of the time, here's the deal. If, if something hurts once, like let's say a woman has sex and, and she gets hurt, you know, just something didn't feel right it kind of lingers in the brain. And, and then what happens is, if I was gonna punch you, you move, right? So when she's laying down and you're on top of her, her instinct is gonna be to clench up, you know, if she thinks there's gonna be pain coming. And when she lifts up her butt, that narrows the vagina, which is then gonna also pull the cervix closer and make it easier where sex hurt, I'm bracing for impact, sex hurt again, and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the vaginal muscles then are constant. I always make that uh, analogy. If you make a bicep all day and somebody pokes it, it's going to be really painful versus if it was relaxed all day. So if the pelvic floor is just constantly tense and, and you put pressure on it, and that's the other mindset is if you're on the bottom and you have a man on top of you and, and there's pain involved, that's horrible. What a horrible thing um, versus you being on top and being in control of the depth. You're not going to hurt yourself, right? So you'll control it. And so, and if he doesn't want to be on the bottom, then don't have sex with him, right? So women that have pain with intercourse should always try to be on the top until they get comfortable again with, you know, being in control and having sex because it shouldn't hurt. That's not normal. Yeah, in uh, my men's coaching program, we work a lot with the, the subconscious and like really getting into the subconscious, releasing patterns that they have there. I mean, men have so much conditioning around sex as well. Clearly, it's not just women. And so, but one of the things that I tell them is when, because they'll say like, you know, Sarah, I'm trying to do this practice, but I kind of just feel like my, my brain won't let me go there. It's almost like I get kicked out, you know, like I try, I try and do it and I just, 
I bounce out of it every time. And I'm like, well, approach the subconscious in the same way you would approach a cervix. Gentle, gentle penetration over and over and over again until it finally is like opens up and you get the most blissful, amazing experience. But <laughs> and then when I give them that analogy, then that really helps it stick uh, both ways. Like when they're doing cervical penetration and when they're penetrating their subconscious. So guys listening, there's, there's a tip for you. When you're with a woman and you're penetrating her cervix, definitely slow and gentle, like even up to 45 minutes of slow, gentle penetration that it can take that long for it to like really soften and open up so that she can have those mind blowing, incredible orgasms. I agree. Totally. Take your time. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen the longer that you go? Nothing. (laughs) <laughs> oh darn i had to spend some extra time having sex <laughs> yeah. well unfortunately for some people they uh they do find that it's it's not pleasurable so but that that is our job that is why we are here making sex more pleasurable for people so we talked about hormones we did talk about stress but we didn't specifically talk about cortisol um, and how that's impacting women Uh, cortisol in and of itself is necessary for survival it helps you respond to stress The problem is when it gets to be too high, when your cortisol runs high all the time, that can make things like insulin run high, um, can contribute to weight gain and fatigue and just generalized joint pain. And overall, it just doesn't feel good. And usually it's fatigue oriented. So again, if she's fatigued and not sleeping well and her cortisol levels are high, um, you're probably not going to be sexually oriented just because of the the overwhelming fatigue that's involved. And then the other side where the cortisol might be on the low side, again, super fatigue. Those are the women that usually are just kind of not only burning the candle at both ends, they're burning it with a blowtorch. These are the women that don't take care of, they take care of everybody else at their own expense and they get exhausted, but because they're also taking care of their, everyone else, and then somebody asks them for sex, it's kind of like a double whammy. It's like, look, I've already given everything I can. These are the partners that you have to build back up. You know, you have to take care of her, make her dinner, you know, let her go to bed early. And it might not be a few days. It might be a week or two before she really gets the fact that you're taking care of her. And and I always tell those women too, the, the spiritual practice for a woman that's, overdone it like that is to say no to everything to say no uh because the way the reason you got there in the first place and your cortisol is depleted is because you say yes to everything and you do everything so that takes a that's a much longer process those women uh are they sabotage their own health because they were taking care of everybody else and as a partner you were part of that process and you need to take care of her now absolutely so you have a, a quiz, uh, know your hormone type quiz. Can you right. talk a bit about that? So it's for women. It's uh, I've come up uh, over the last 15 years in 40,000 patient encounters. I was hearing very similar stories, like I talked about with sabotage and you know estrogen, progesterone, thyroid, 
if they go take the quiz, it's about 36 questions and it will give them based on their answers, one of 12 hormone types. And they're, they're based in archetype, archetypal stories. So the queen, the nun, the overachiever, the underdog, but they're all related to hormone imbalances. What I found is that if I talked to a woman, say with that low cortisol, and I was talking about cortisol, they would get this glossy look. But if I talked in the story of saboteur or sabotage, and I told the story that I just told you, it was like light bulbs would go off and it'd be like, no one's ever explained it to me like that before. That's exactly what I'm experiencing. And then for those women that do the test, I have a six step process to fix each of those 12 imbalances that includes like spiritual practices, hormones, informative techniques like acupuncture, essential oils, nutrition, exercise, and then supplementation. So there's ways to fix them. And how long of a process do you typically see it takes with women to, you know, if they come in and, and they're just, you know, they're, they're not doing any of the things that you recommend and then you get them on a regimen, how long do you tend to see, how long does it take to see results? It can depend on the imbalance, the court, the low cortisol, that's a, that's more of a slog. It can be weeks to a few months, uh, low testosterone that can be reversed with real quickly. I mean, especially if you're using testosterone, if you tend to just go supplement based or nutrition or exercise, it's going to be a little bit more of a climb, but long, longer term, obviously, versus if you actually use a hormone. So uh, some of them can turn around real quickly, like even within a few days. I've had women, you know, it's funny with the testosterone, I've had women where I've reversed the tables on their partners because she initially didn't want sex and then you fix this and now he doesn't want sex, you know? And so be careful what you wish for, guys, because you might just get it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you get it. And then you realize, and then the guy's like, oh shit, I've been complaining all this time and I actually have all these issues that I need to deal with too. <laughs> yeah. It happens a lot. And it's funny when it happens because they use the whole thing. It's like, I'm not an animal. I can't just be having sex all the time. And it's like, three months ago, you sent her in here because she didn't want to have sex. Yeah. That's great. I love it. And what about using estrogen um, for, for PMS, things like that? So PMS is probably more going to be progesterone deficiency related, uh, especially if she has her uh, issues in the second half of her cycle, like right before her period. If you know, that's when the, the migraines or the, you know, the, the irritability come into play. Women that are 50 that have menopausal symptoms tend to have vaginal dryness, which can cause a problem with sex because it hurts. Uh, vaginal estrogen or vaginal DHEA at that point in time, there's a great product. Uh, you might know Anna Quebeca really well. She has a product called Jula. That's a really great product for women that have dryness in the vagina. Um, which is also something that women talk about. And sometimes vaginal dryness is actually just that they don't want to have sex too. So, you know, again, you got to do your, you got to do your foreplay, you got to do your work, but, uh, but yeah, estrogen, uh, progesterone, testosterone, they all play. Um, and so does thyroid because if she's exhausted, because she's low in thyroid, she's not going to want to have intercourse. Yeah. I, yeah, definitely PMS is something that I had struggled with for a really long time for years until I started I went on birth control um, mm -hmm. to to help with it and it 
made a huge difference. It was like within a couple of days, all symptoms gone, no issues anymore. So, um, and you're right, it probably is uh, more progesterone than estrogen than that. Usually it's too much estrogen. A lot of women have way too much estrogen compared to progesterone. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, all right. We have a game. Are you willing to, uh, to play Let's Talk About Sex? Yeah. Okay. I'll do my best. All right. So we'll just do one card of the Let's Talk About Sex deck. And I've got one here. To me, sacred sexuality is blank. Vulnerability, I would say the just letting go. I think the sacred part about it is really, really letting go. Like just, I think that's when the mind blowing part comes in, when you can be completely vulnerable and open to whatever happens. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everybody how they can find you? So the quiz is, uh, my last name is Tassone, T-A-S-S-O-N-E-M-D.com backslash quiz. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Sean Tassone MD, and Facebook, Sean Tassone MD. If you have your partners, anything, you know, they, I do telemedicine visits. Uh, I can order labs anywhere in the country and um, make recommendations. So, and I take insurance, oddly enough, I'm one of the few that still does that. So you don't have to spend a bazillion dollars uh, to feel better. And just let your partners know that even if they've been told no, they're normal, their hormones are normal, if they don't feel normal, then they're not normal. They should get a second opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really incredible having you today. Thank you for your information, your wisdom, your knowledge, everything that you share. I think this is really going to help a lot of men and um, hopefully they'll share this with their partners as well. So thanks again. And all of your links are in the show notes below. So everyone listening, go ahead and check out those links and uh, visit his site. I'm actually going to go take that quiz myself. So thank you. Thank you again. The men would love to know what you are, I'm sure. <laughs> I will have to I will have to do a big reveal, which am I the queen, the nun, the workaholic, or the warrior? <laughs> I guess there's a warrior, which is actually testosterone excess. That would be my guess. All right. Well, it's great to have you. Thanks again for being here. And that is Sex and Sarah Rose. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers.